Welcome to Conversation 360 Podcasts and this podcast series called Asia and the West. I'm your host, Susan Bird. On Asia and the West, we showcase people whose life, work, and experience can shed light on what is taking place in and between these two critically important parts of our world. We're especially focused on China, but you'll hear from people with fascinating things to share about other parts of Asia as well. When I was working for a client in Singapore several years ago, I met Ronald Kang, a senior executive of FMC Corporation, one of the world's leading specialty chemical companies. Ronald lives in the Philippines and travels all over the world, much of it to places throughout Asia as well as the United States. I was especially impressed with his perspective on the Philippines and its place in the world as well as its relationship with the United States and its relationship with China. I know you'll find his views on business and politics in the Philippines, backed by a deep historical and economic understanding, fascinating. Ronald has concerns about the direction taken by the president of the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte, who took office this past June 2016, especially with regard to the wave of killings which President Duterte says are necessary to clear Philippines of drug pushers. We're not Brazil. We're not Colombia of the 80s. We're not El Salvador. We're the Philippines. We've got highly educated uh, population here. Uh, we've had strong 50 years of um, American education. We have 400 years of uh, Spanish rule that brought us you know, many um, the values in life. But what I'm seeing now is extrajudicial killings of what a police terms as drug pushers. Ronald is concerned that the world is becoming ungoverned, and he, as he says... And, and I don't want to see the world harking back to the old Wild West. And as to the role some would argue the U.N. should take in solving problems between nations, Ronald's not so sure that the U.N. is the answer. I think there, 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 there's so much uh, uh, verbosity within the U.N. And I think U.N. <laughs> I think you want to be more effective. We'll be talking about these issues and much more. Welcome to Conversation 360 Podcasts and this Asia and the West series, Ronald. Thank you, Susan. Nice to uh, hear from you again. Well, thank you. So let's start at the beginning. Um, you're uh, a senior executive in the Philippines and have a wide range of interests in all of Asia. When we last talked, it was actually in Singapore. The... Um, interest we we are pursuing in this series of podcasts is really uh, what are the conversations that are now taking place between east meets west what needs to get said and what hasn't been said so um, when we talked in singapore there was a lot of discussion there and you had some really strong views about the importance of freedom of speech and some other issues uh, how how do you feel about all of that now if i were to say to you um, where does Manila stand in terms of its views of the West, and how can we better facilitate the conversations that take place between that country and and those here in the Western Hemisphere? Well, that's an excellent question, uh, Susan. I think the subject is very relevant in this uh, at this point in time because the Philippines just elected a new president, elected a new vice president. And um, there are changes coming. So there's a cusp of uh, changes coming up. Whether it's good or not, there is 
an anticipation of positive change. But personally, I see some troubles uh, in the horizon as it as I as I see uh, human rights, as I see a relationship with China. If you saw the news today, Hague had just ruled in favor of the Philippines on the West Philippine Sea. Mm-hmm. So China's rebuke because China claims close to ninety percent of South China Sea or the West Philippine Sea. And so the ruling from The Hague was a very welcome news because then the Philippines won in terms of the rights to to the sea west of the Philippines because that covers at least 220 kilometers in any islands. So the, the China had overtaken reefs and built artificial islands and they were rebuked by The Hague. Now, after this post-ruling, question is, will China respect it? And China has already said they will not respect that ruling. So I'm worried about this. How does how does the new leadership, as far as you can tell, they're, they're, uh, are they aggressive about how they can deal with China? It's pretty. It's a pretty big elephant in the room. Um, and and as you had said when we last talked, they uh, when they cough, a lot happens elsewhere. What 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 will happen? I mean, what could happen if if the Philipp- if they resist and the Philippines insists on what is now its its rights? Yeah, the um, uh, the, this action was 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 instituted back in 2013 after China overtook a show called. Scarborough show was the Philippines within the Philippine Sea. And um, so it took about close to three years for Hague to come up with a ruling. So the previous administration, which I support strongly, did an excellent job in, 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 in pursuing this case. Now, the new leadership, that is a question mark because there are some concerning remarks from defense of uh, the Foreign Secretary about sharing the sea with China, which I don't agree. And many Filipinos, educated Filipinos, don't agree as well because that belongs to the Philippines and we should not deal with the bullies. And personally, I believe that if China does not respect that ruling, they'll be considered an outlaw, a global outlaw. But again, China will do things differently and they might. They may not respect the rules of law. Would the expectation in the Philippines be that uh, the rest of the world should take real notice of this? Because I would imagine that there's some sense that it sets a precedent if China is allowed to ignore it or would disobey that ruling. Would you expect? And I, I would, yes, I, I would say that majority of Filipinos um, and, and even within government would really rally around the country and rally around the flag and support the ruling. And uh, at the States, we're fortunate that the U.S., Japan, Australia, and as a whole EU have supported the case in favor of the Philippines. 
So and I guess the expectation is that they will continue to do so. I, I would just imagine this this whole area of the sea is clearly a global issue, regardless of where it happens. It, it, it just um, it, it certainly has been in the news here, and people are following it. I, I just um, it'll be interesting, as you said, to see what your new administration does with all of this and how whether it can follow in the footsteps of the previous administration or if they uh, if they in some way decide to modify the, you know, their behavior because of the fear of China's um, recriminations. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. What other issues are there that you think are especially of interest be, that are going on in your part of the world and and the West? Are there other issues that you think are especially we should think about? Well, I think Philippines part of uh, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, uh, ASEAN, and and we belong to uh, aggregation composed of countries within Southeast Asia. So we've got Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Laos. Um, so there's ramification uh, on this recent rule among ASEAN members because there are countries which are landlocked, like Cambodia or Laos, who owe China gratitude because of financial assistance from China to these countries. So, so China is currying their favors. Uh, the countries that are affected by, by Chinese incursion are the Philippines, uh, Vietnam, especially Vietnam and the Philippines, and you've got Malaysia, which is playing mute. They're not. They want to. They don't want to incriminate China because of trade. And you got Brunei, a, a very small country, which is heavy in oil, but they're keeping quiet. So, so I think you're still out among ASEAN members uh, on how the group will respond collectively against China. Now, your question about uh, issues or or uh, activities, current activities in our part of the world versus the West, I think we still go back to the fundamental uh, issues such as human rights, uh, trade. Um, how do we address the uh, a strong but quote-unquote unlawful China? There's Russia out there, which is aligned with China in terms of uh, different ideology. You've got Brexit that is impacting UK against EU. It is impacting trade. It's affecting currency. Post-Brexit, US dollar and Japanese yen have become safe haven. So the dollar is strengthened. And many currencies have weakened, such as Philippine pesos or the regional currency in Southeast Asia. So that is a current uh, phenomenon because of Brexit. So times are changing. And right now, I think you have election coming up in November. So that is the other challenge we see in the horizon. What's going to happen after November? Who's going to win? How will that impact Asia? 
how will that impact trade? How will that impact the support of the U.S. Say to the Philippines? We need the might and uh, military power of the United States to police this part of the world. Well, that's that's a that's a heavy question here as well. I'm sure you you can understand. We're all <laughs> we're all pretty much worried about it. I'm interested in your comments about ASEAN. I'm never sure I'm not I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I remember when we first talked about it that you said it was good as a concept. As I understand it, it's actually been around since the '60s, right? When they were really trying to unify Southeast Asia against China and Japan. Um, but it sounds like this is a real test of the solidarity within the group and how it can respond as a group, if it can respond as a group. It sounds like that's a challenge. And I think it still is. And, and my views on uh, ASEAN solidarity hasn't changed from our last conversation in Singapore. Uh, you know, we've seen EU. Uh, EU is, is in a way struggling with uh, solidarity with UK out of EU. Uh, within EU, you've got the strong members, you've got the weak members, you've got you've got some inequality in trade, you've got you've got migration within within Southeast Asia uh, among the Asian countries. I don't see a country as being cohesive. There's a lot of vested interest, and even as Asian is taking a strong push to solidify. They're looking at uh, common borders. They're looking at uh, common currency. But I don't think that's going to work effectively and realistically. Who comprises the leadership within ASEAN? Who, who are the people that sit around the table when it meets? Well, when Lee Kuan Yew uh, and Singapore was alive, he was he was the so-called godfather of ASEAN. But since he had passed, and uh, his son is a prime minister, well, he he still carries some clout. But uh, I don't think there's a single person within uh, uh, ASEAN who could speak for the group. It is still collectively, and I think that's a problem because, because not every member country would agree to any statement come out that comes out of ASEAN meeting. And case in point was the um, uh, China Action South China Sea, the last ASEAN meeting, which was about a month or two ago. At the end of the meeting, the members came up with a strong statement against China. But at the last minute, that statement was withheld because of, of objections from certain members. And I believe it could be Cambodia, Laos. Any statement, whether it's EU or ASEAN, is, it has to be collective. One dissension and that's it. A statement is not released collectively. So it sounds like there is no Churchill there. That's correct. There's no, there's no Churchill. There's no, um, there's no, well, I, I don't know if, if JFK could do it, but uh, you don't have a, 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 a 
a figure who is respected enough, somebody whose wisdom carries a lot of weight. There's nobody there who could drive the point to all the members. You know, it seems as if that many of us are, are uh, wondering who the Churchill is that in many parts of the world, collectively wondering where, where all the leadership is that we need so badly. Um, it's, as you say, it will be interesting to see how our own, how the U.S. Uh, presidential election turns out and then what the aftermath of that will be. But it's so interesting how this whole leadership issue becomes a global one very quickly since we're so all connected and there seems to be a vacuum. The, uh, the Chinese speak loudly and they, they, uh, they as you say, their, their influence is is uh, supported by countries that are very dependent on them. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know enough to, to make any kind of a comment and I'd, I'd love to be educated on the new leadership in the Philippines, how that might fit into this whole thing. But it sounds like you think the jury is still out on that as well. Right. And, uh, but personally, I think, uh, the new president was a mayor of a southern town, of a southern city, and I guess he means well, and one of his biggest, biggest uh, push, uh, his, his biggest agenda now is against drugs, and it calls to mind narcos, and if you watch narco, uh, narcos, you've got Colombia, you've got all the, all the extrajudicial killings, and it was might against might to address the drug problem, and I think I see uh, 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 it's a lot of similarity, parallelism to what happened in Colombia back then during Escobar and what we're seeing now the past few weeks of of so-called drug pushers uh, being killed. In a way, maybe it sends a strong message, but it is, we're not Brazil. We're not Colombia of the 80s. We're not El Salvador. We're the Philippines. We've got highly educated uh, population here. Uh, we've had strong 50 years of um, American education. We have 400 years of uh, Spanish rule that brought us you know, many um, the values in life. But what I'm seeing now is extrajudicial killings of what a police terms as drug pushers. It may be effective, but I worry about the uncontrolled killings because it does, it does not send a strong message. And right now you see violence in the U.S., the Dallas shooting, for instance, uh, Orlando. You've got local terrorism. You've got lone wolves. You've got non-terroristic shooting. You've got NRA. You've got guns. But here you, you have uh, vigilance going after drug pushers, whether it is a rub out or an action of corrupt police officials trying to hide their tracks by rubbing out those who might squeal on them. So there are a lot of scenarios, but it's not looking good. This is not civilization. I think we're all feeling that way about uh, 
about human rights in general. I know that's been a major interest of yours for some time. Is there, if you were able to uh, corral a conversation between Western leaders and people in Manila, you and others, what would be at the top of your list for things to discuss on which you think we could really make some action, make something happen? Well, I, I, I would, I would really uh, pursue human rights, um, discipline. I would push for education. I'd push for rules of law. I'd push for democracy. I would push for equality. I would push for um, gender equality. And I think all of the factors that bring about democracy, because I see China, Russia, two big countries who are booze of the world. And, and, and I don't want to see the world harking back to the old Wild West, to a lack of law. Law has to prevail. And that is democracy, that is respect of the law, respect for human beings, respect for citizens. You know, interestingly, as you, as I look at your list, human rights, discipline, education, rule of law, equality, gender equity, et cetera, it, it really sounds as if it, it's the list of what the UN is supposed to be making happen. And that doesn't, it, it doesn't appear that, that the, the conversations that go on there don't seem to result in what you're talking about here. They, they, it's not that they don't make anything, it's, it's that they don't make things happen. It's not that they, they do the wrong things, they don't do much, or is that just the wrong opinion? I think there, 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 there's so much uh, verbosity within UN. You know, I think UN, <laughs> I think UN should be more effective. You know, I've, when I go to New York, I, 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 stay, I stay in Grand Central area. And it's very close to the UN, and so I, I, I meet, you know, uh, diplomats or you go to restaurants, you see diplomats who live very well. But I don't see the effectiveness of UN in, 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 in policing, you know, and, and even the peace forces that the UN send to troubled spots, there are problems among the peace, uh, the peace, uh, uh, the, the 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 police, the UN police. So I I think I believe UN still. I think it's it's not as effective as as it should be. Are there are there people that you see in the wings, possible leaders in the in the Philippines that can that you're looking to for the future? Are there younger people that are doing interesting things that you think here's where the future lies in terms of true leadership? Oh, we do. There, there are a lot of, there are a lot of well-educated and very, um, very um, forward-looking Filipinos. Uh, our vice president, she's uh, Lenny Robredo. She's a lady and she's from different, you know, how politics work in the Philippines is, is the vice president normally doesn't necessarily come from the same party, unlike the U.S. So uh, 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 a successful, a, uh, a winning president normally brings his vice president uh, uh, to the White House, but on the Philippines. So the new president, Duterte, is from a different party. And, and just a background, 
Philippines used to have a two-party system, Nacionalista and Liberal Party. That was patterned after the U.S., when it became part of uh, being a territory back in 1898 after the uh, Spanish-American War, uh, the Battle of Manila Bay. So our political system was patterned after the United States. You got GOP, Republicans, and um, you have Democrats. But in the course of uh, time, corruption and political bandwagon have resulted in multi-parties. So in the current election, as in the past elections, is that there were five candidates running for president. There were five candidates who ran for vice president. So the winning president and the winning VP didn't have a majority. So the president had probably maybe 30%. I may be wrong, but it's not uh, as if he won 60% of the votes. So it was a close call because of the multi-party system. But back to your question, Susan, our vice president, I think she is bright. She is she has a big concern for the poor. She's good, and I think, given more time within her current term and to the future, I think she will progress into a great leader. There are oh, that's exciting. Right, there are other senators who are poised to be good leaders too. Wouldn't that be interesting if we have her in the Philippines? We now have a new woman who is taking over in, in the UK from Cameron. That's right. I was and, just watching uh, CNN. Up, <laughs> yeah, and if we end up with Hillary Clinton as president, it uh, it could be an interesting world. We'll see if anything changes, right? Yes. Um, that, 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 well, I, I think, agree with you 100%. Yeah, it, it's, I think this is a very interesting time. And... Um, I'm, I'm especially, it's, it's fascinating when you talk about China in general, because I, when I started the, the whole idea of the curated conversations and had um, talked with some people in China, the conversation has really shifted in the last two years mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, not just people like you, but Chinese themselves who are looking differently on their own country and starting to look at the concerns they have about its continued growth and how it plays its role in the rest of the world. And because there are no, there don't seem to be solid answers anywhere. The, the EU and what happened with Brexit and, and our presidential election campaign, which has just been really kind of a tragedy in a lot of people's minds. It's, this is, these are interesting times, right? Mm -hmm, it is, it's interesting <laughs> so, times. Thank you, Ronald. It's been a delight to share your perspectives. If this is the first time you're listening to Conversation 360 podcasts, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There are plenty more conversations with fascinating people from where this came. And please rate and review us on iTunes. As you may know, iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more credit we get, the more people can discover us. And please tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful way to spread the word about Conversation 360 podcasts and this Asia and the West series. 
And there's more information on our website, www.conversation360podcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at Convy360Podcast. That's C-O-N-V-360Podcast. My personal Twitter is at Susan W. Bird. That's B-I-R-D. Thanks for listening.